wonderful to see you here this morning and I'm looking out and I see some smiling faces and that's always encouraging and I'm just glad to see you here this morning. We praise God for your attendance and uh, ask that you'll go together with us to God in a word of prayer. Oh, gracious and kind Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus, your great and amazing Son, to live and to die on that cruel cross of Calvary, to rise from the dead, we might be saved. Help us, please, to be focused in our worship this morning, praying that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great Son, who died on that cruel cross of Calvary because of the great love with which he had for us. These things we ask and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to be thy will. Amen. This morning we're, we're finishing our series on walking dead, seeking the living among the dead. I want to think about just for a moment that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. This morning the question is, are you prepared or preparing yourself? And in our journey, in our preparation for heaven, we know there are many challenges. There are many ups and downs. And sometimes we find ourselves in a spiritual rut or maybe even in a coma. Sometimes we find ourselves disconnected from God. Have you ever been there in your spiritual journey? And then comes that question for Christians. How many Christians want to go to heaven simply because you don't want to go to hell? Or how many Christians want to go to heaven because we truly want that spiritual experience with our God? And sometimes I wonder in my own heart and in my own mind as I look out amongst the audience, amongst the crowd, I wonder sometimes how many of us present really want to be here? Or here because we have to be here. Not because we want to be here. And then I wonder among myself also, how many here today, right now, would rather be somewhere else? I, like most babes in Christ, I was also stuck in that, that elementary mode of, of thinking, if you will, of spiritual thinking. I was on the elementary principles of of relationships, if you will, with my God. I found myself at times growing in my faith, focusing on the world and living just an ordinary life. I found myself living simply in the ordinary. 
But once Jesus gets a hold of you, church, you learn what God really wants for His people. And that is, He doesn't want us to live in the ordinary. He wants us to live in the extraordinary. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is living in the extraordinary with Jesus. Romans chapter 6 is where we'll begin. Beginning at verse 8. Because it is all about the resurrection, isn't it? That's exactly what it's all about. And in verse 8, the Bible says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer has master over Him. Never to die again. Hold on to that, because that also applies to us. I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 for just a moment. Acts chapter 2, and speak or look at God's predetermined plan. And while we're thinking about this, Jesus died never to die again. He has mastery over death, if you will, he always had it, but it's exemplified through his resurrection. And in Acts 2, the Bible says it was part of God's predetermined plan. In verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by hands, the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by his power. Impossible. Impossible. Let me hang that over there as well. We're going to come back and grab that too. Back to Romans for just a moment. Chapter 6. It was impossible for death to hold him. Romans 6 and verse 10. The Bible, the Bible speaks to us of this greatness, the greatness of the revelation of God. And it says, for death, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Speaking of Christians, you, you die, Jesus dies to sin and lives on forever. We die because of our sins, but the life that we live from the point of our death and our resurrection, we live for God. We live to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, living to God is living in the extraordinary. Living for God is living in the extraordinary. No longer in the ordinary. Think about the resurrection. Think about what this text is speaking of. When Jesus appeared after the resurrection, 
It's a different Jesus. It's a different Jesus. And he said, don't cling to me. I've not resurrected or ascended yet. Don't cling to me. It was a different Jesus. Jesus came and people saw him and they recognized a different Jesus. When we're baptized into Christ and we come out of the grave, the watery grave of baptism, people should recognize a different you. Living in the extraordinary. Moving from the death of Jesus Christ on to the, to the good news of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Living in the extraordinary. Thinking about the power of God. Thinking about the, the, the power because of the resurrection. Through the resurrection. Here's what Jesus did for us. This is so important. He destroyed everything that was against us. Everything. Through the resurrection, Jesus Christ did that. Through the resurrection of Jesus, the power of God's grace toward us was manifested, if you will, given to us all, revealed. Through the resurrection, Jesus destroyed death. Why is that so important? Let's rehearse a few scriptures. Second Timothy, please. Chapter 1. Why is that so important? We may not want to uh, acknowledge it. But we're slaves to death. Humans, right? We just want to live. And we become so comfortable living in the ordinary that we'll fight to live in this world and in this life because we don't truly understand what is to come. Let me come back to that. 2 Timothy 1 and, and verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in his suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. But now, he has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You say, but preacher, folks are still dying. Physically. But we're going to that next level, church, of living in the extraordinary. We're talking about the spiritual death that Jesus removed from us because of his grace through the resurrection. When we live in the extraordinary, we have something to look forward to. We have this amazing relationship with Jesus to the point to where death no longer has a strangling grip upon me. Because I know what God has prepared for me. And when you know what God has prepared for you, you don't worry so much about what's going on in the ordinary. Because you're living in the extraordinary. 
Because we know and we acknowledge that we are just passing through. You're not supposed to be here too long, church. And the problem is, too many of us want to be here forever. Some folks have said, I wish I could have my heaven on earth. You cannot. It's not here. You will never find the life that you're looking for on earth. You can only find it in Jesus. And Jesus says, hang on to your bootstraps because heaven is real. Church, how many of us want to go to heaven simply because we don't want to go to hell? How many of us want to go to heaven because we're excited about the experience of being with God for eternity? Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. The power of the death of Jesus. He abolished death, which means he conquered Satan. See, here's what Satan has done. I want you to think about just for a moment what the scriptures are saying to us. What has Satan done? Satan has caused these humans, us, to fear dying. And the Christians ask me all the time, you know, I, I don't know, I just don't want to die because I, I don't know where I'm going. You can fix that. You, you can fix that right now. Live in the extraordinary. Live for Jesus. And, and, and trust in and believe in His grace. But you've got to be faithful, church. You, you can't do the straddling of the fence. You, you can't be in the world one day and with Jesus the next. You've got to be faithful. Live in the extraordinary, not in the ordinary. What did Jesus do? Hebrews 2 and verse 14. He removed the stranglehold that Satan has on us. Verse 14. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. He defeated Satan through his death and through his resurrection. And here we are, uh, if you will, products of the blessings of our great God. And listen to what verse 15 says. And might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. See what happened? So can you imagine just for a moment, let's go back to the first century. Domitian, Nero, one of the leaders, comes along and he and he says to you, do you believe in Jesus? And then he says to you, uh, I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says to you, uh, if you say yes, I'm going to execute you right now. But all you have to do is sprinkle a little bit of the ash. And if you just sprinkle a little bit of the ash to our God, I'll let you live. You have to love Revelation 12 where it says, but these folks didn't love their lives. They didn't love their lives. They loved Jesus. And they said, go on and kill me. Just send me home. Just send me home. Because they realized that they were living in the ordinary. But in Jesus you live in the extraordinary. Right? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the verses 54, it talks about this old body with the aches and pains, right? 
It talks about this old flesh. And it says, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, and then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus, through the resurrection, took away the sting of death. We're not going to stay here forever. And you don't have to get a checkup on that. You don't have to go and, and fact check that. It's true. Right? So why not prepare for what's coming? Why not prepare for the inevitable? Why not prepare your life and your mind for being with God for eternity? Why not be excited about the immortality that God has established for us? Why not be excited about what God has done for His children through the resurrection? God has made a way. Romans, uh, please. Chapter 8. God has made a way for people who have been enslaved through the fear of death to be freed. God has made a way. You know, these scriptures are so powerful. And, and, and you know when they're the most powerful? Because, you know, right now we think we're immortal. They're the most powerful when you're in the hospital. And you're wondering if you're going to survive. And then you start saying, preacher, give me the word. Tell me what Jesus says. Church, Jesus is already telling us this. Right. So you've got to live it now so that when that day comes, and it's going to come, you're ready. You're ready. Are you ready? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Verse 9 says, of Romans uh, chapter 8, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. I'm talking to Christians. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. This is a work of God. Look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who is raised. Who is at the right hand of God who also intercedes for us. So then how do we, how do we really think about that? You say, well, preacher, you know, I, I've never been to heaven, and, and so I don't, I don't know what to expect. And I, and, I, and I don't know what a resurrection really, 
truly looks like because I wasn't there. I wasn't there in the first century, and so, so I don't know what it was like. I mean, I can read it, and I'm trying to picture the imagery, and I'm trying to gain a good understanding, but I haven't, I haven't seen it before. That's a statement that no Christian can ever make. You've not only seen it, you've done it by the power of God. And here's what God does for us. I'm going to Romans 6. God has shown it to us time and time and time and time again. He's shown it to us. He says, here it is in the Word. Jesus rose from the dead. Then in the days of the miraculous, other folks rose from the dead. And then he said, but look, I want you to get it, church. You're going to get to see a resurrection until I come back. He said, do this in remembrance of me. But you're going to get to see it over and over and over and over and over again. Through baptism. This morning, I wonder if there are some here who have not yet surrendered to Christ and participated in your own resurrection. Where you hear the Word of God and you believe it and you trust it and you're willing to obey it and you're willing to turn your life around and confess His name and be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And in that water, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as your sins are washed away. And then when you're made new, you're resurrected. And you come out of that watery grave forgiven for all of your sins. And you walk new with Jesus and God adds you to the church and God places you in the body where He wants you. We get to see it over and over and over again, church. Romans 6 and verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus or into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? And therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death. In order that, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. As Christ was raised from the tomb, so you too. All Christians. That's why we know that every person that believes in Jesus isn't a Christian. Y'all do know that, right? It's not just belief. You've got to be, you've got to die, you have to be buried, and you have to be raised. It's not just because someone believes. I think Satan's duped us on that one. The resurrection, we get to see it over and over again. We die in the likeness of Jesus and we're raised in the likeness of Jesus. And when you're raised in the likeness of Jesus, you're no longer shackled with the fear of death. But now we look forward to our eternal home with our God. We go from the mortal to the immortality when God calls us home. And in Romans 6, in verse 5, the Bible goes on to talk about our freedom. For if we have become united in the, in the likeness with Him, in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
For he who has died is freed from sin. And when you're freed from sin, you no longer have to fear death. Because you become extraordinary. We're peculiar people. We're different. We look forward to the promises of our God. Don't we? Someone says, oh no, preacher, I'm not ready to die yet. You should get ready. Because it's coming. It's kind of neat. My son's wife is pregnant and she's about to deliver. And then he said for the first time, time showed us fly. And I said, yeah, once you start having kids, it all speeds up. Right? Yeah, it's sped up. Romans 4, verse 23, the book says, speaking of Abraham and God's justification, now talking to Christians. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was reckoned to him. But for our sake also, to whom it will be reckoned as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered up because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not fear. We have peace. But you've got to be faithful to it. Luke 24. You have to stick with Jesus. Church, this is real. This is real. This is not like turning a television on and turning it off. This is real. This is our spiritual destiny. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with your soul? What are you going to do with it? Living in the resurrection, we recognize that as Jesus, death also cannot hold us. Because Jesus made it so. There's a place that Jesus has prepared for his people. And we'll go down, if you will, into the, into the ground, right? Not really. Because before they bury you, you're already in your place. Before they bury you in the ground, you're already in your place. You know what I say to folks? Don't go looking for me at my old address. Because I'm not there. Amen? And that's where we have to live, church, because we live in the extraordinary, not in the ordinary. Luke 24. We've read it a few times in this series, beginning in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. I was talking to Brother Stephen, and Brother Stephen said, you know, you know, preacher, they should have brought breakfast. I said, you're right. They should have known he wasn't going to be there. And when they saw him, he'd be alive. And they should have fed him. But they brought spices to the tomb in verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? And that has been our question over the last few weeks. 
Let's hear Jesus say it as we close this lesson out. Let's hear something that Jesus, John, please, chapter 11, something that Jesus wants us to remember, to reflect on, to think about, that we live and are alive as Christians who participated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, been raised and now walk with him anew. Let us be reminded of what Jesus said to us in verse 23. Jesus said to her, speaking to Mary and Martha, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's his question to us. Romans chapter 8. And we close. Do you believe this? Preacher, do you believe this? Christian, do you believe this? And if you do, are you still living in the ordinary? Believing something like this? The resurrection? I hope not. We close in verse 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The lesson is yours. God bless you. Please come while we stand and we can help in any way.